Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's vi.com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Well, it's finally here. We are the day before Election Day 2020, and, and none of us knows really how it's all going to turn out. But we do know that turnout will be a big narrative in this election. I decided to conclude the, the pre-election Devious Motives uh, series by bringing on uh, my friend Matt Doherty to give us uh, some perspective from somebody who's not steeped in the, the the political machinations of things, but to give us his sense of, of of where we are as a country, where we're probably going and how it goes. Um, we've listened to a lot of experts over the course of the last 30 episodes, 31 episodes, uh, and we've got a lot of perspectives and a lot of uh, a lot of takes. I think it's important to hear from from people who are getting up every day, working hard, perfecting their craft and uh, rinsing and repeating. And so we're going to catch up with Matt Doherty, who I, uh, I have the pleasure of working with on, on WBT here in Charlotte. And uh, we'll get his perspective on a number of different things, including I'd like to know if, if sportsmanship is still alive. I'd like to know if being a good sport is still there, if, if, if being a, a country that can work together, that can stand each other, is, is, that, is that still a factor? So we'll check in with him. But I want to take us back to the very beginning of what we saw take place in this Trump administration. I, I actually I may go longer than 30 minutes. I'm just going to let you know. I believe we got to this place where we are in our country right now because of a number of choices that were made. Some of them were very, very bad choices. Some of them were horrible choices. Others, annoying, but not terminal. I I would say the single worst thing that happened uh, coming into the uh, Trump-Pence presidency was the formation of what people uh, uh, jokingly called or, or proudly called the resistance. I think the resistance was the single most damaging thing to happen in politics in at least a decade and maybe two. The idea that you would have a cadre of public servants put themselves above you, the voter, and decide that they'd carry out the policies they want to carry out, regardless of how you chose to vote, electoral college victory or not, I think it was disgraceful. I think every one of those people should be driven from government. We'll never know who they are. We know some of the names. We know some of the uh, personas. But the resistance working in conjunction with the street agitators in the earliest part of the, of the Trump 
um, uh, post-election uh, period, I think did a substantial amount of damage to our country, including and maybe most damaging the folks inside the Obama White House and Hillary Clinton for pushing a notion that Donald Trump was uh, was a puppet of Putin, was put in by the Russians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We know all of it now to be a lie, a fabrication. You had American citizens spied upon by uh, American intelligence agencies. And still to this day, we, we don't know what the full accounting was. But the damage that was done wasn't done personally to Donald Trump or to the administration itself. It was done to American uh, electoral politics because rather than having a cooling off period that ran from uh, early November to January where people could could kind of uh, calm down, process, understand the changes that were going to happen in government. In government, you instead ended ended up having uh, tensions ratcheted up substantially, and and that was orchestrated by people. I believe it was orchestrated probably by uh, Barack Obama's inner, inner circle, Valerie Jarrett, people like that, who just hated Donald Trump, and it was visceral. I get it. I get it. Barack Obama's hatred of the president is visceral. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, I think, has deep hated hatred for the president. But I would hope that at at the conclusion of this election, decency will rule the day. If Donald Trump is reelected, I would hope that we don't see violence and riots in the streets, though I'm not confident that that will 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 fail to appear. I believe no matter who gets elected, you're going to see riots and violence in the streets. However, I do believe you're going to see violence and riots in the streets directed by one group, the anarchists, the Antifa, the Antifada, because uh, like any other uh, insurgency, terrorist organization, whatever you want to call them, uh, they take advantage of chaos and they seek to avail themselves of the maximum possible power. The idea that you have cities in America today in 2020, including the area around the White House, being boarded up uh, by non-scalable fencing should tell you everything you need to know about the progressive left agenda for this country moving forward, regardless of a, of a Biden-Harris uh, presidency, regardless of a Trump-Pence presidency. You have until January 20, 2021, to prepare yourself, make yourself ready for what comes next in a second term of Trump or a first term of, of Biden-Harris. And I think we all need to be cogent of the changes that are afoot inside our politics. I mentioned over the last two episodes, the dangers of the Great Reset, the dangers of the enslavement to science and scientists and unelectable people uh, like like Anthony Fauci, who are going to call the tune. Just beware. Just beware. Be aware of your country and the direction it's going. It shouldn't just matter during an electoral cycle. It ought to manage. It ought to matter every single day. And the people who wish Americans ill, the people who wish America ill, the people who seek to hollow out this nation for their own benefit or for the benefit of hostile foreign actors or unnamed boogeymen on the international stage, shame on them. Because this country has been uniquely positioned for good and for strength. Period. End of discussion. We are bigger than a president. We are bigger than an administration. We're the United States of America. And most importantly, inside this nation, we are not subjects. We are free men and women. We are citizens of a republic. And we reserve the right unreservedly to alter the course and the direction of this nation at any time. But what we will not do is stand back and allow throngs of criminals and terrorists 
and big tech giants behind large walls in Silicon Valley to plot the course of our nation. What you're seeing manifest is a very important thing out there at the rallies, on the streets, both sides. You're seeing an engaged American electorate. And if you want to mess with that, you're messing with every American's divine right of self-determination. Parties be damned. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. This is the final pre-election podcast of Devious Motives. And I can think of nobody better to bring on than my good friend, the coach, Matt Doherty, whom I have come to get to know uh, here in Charlotte uh, at WBT. We do stuff every week and we always have a great time. And we have been on quite the journey, coach, through... um, through, through the transition, through COVID, through uh, this election cycle. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, have you ever, do you ever think you'd see an election like this, Matt? No, I just don't think I have. And as I get older, um, I'm more interested in politics for various reasons, because you realize, you know, you you want to leave something behind for your children and your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And then being on the show with you, uh, has opened up a whole new world to me of politics and, um, you can't help but get in and uh, jump in and, um, you know, and try to figure it out uh, mm-hmm. and try to figure out not only the different parties and their motives, uh, trying to find the truth. And, and then really it's an interesting case study on human nature. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. When we were growing up, you'd watch the elections come around every four years You'd see the two candidates. They duke it out for what felt like I don't know six eight months. Then then you'd have you'd have a, a, a president, a new president, the the same president sworn into office, um, and and we, everybody would get on with their lives. And you you knew Republicans, you knew Democrats, you knew people who kind of were on the fence. This has now become such an elevated battle, and it, it leads me to my first question for you, which is. You you had a very successful collegiate career in, in playing at the highest levels of, of North Carolina basketball. You, you had a you've had a very successful coaching career. You've had a successful business career. You've, you've done a lot of different things. And I know that incumbent in much of that is the notion of teamwork and pulling people together who may not like each other, but they got to work on the same mission or or, or that sort of stuff. I also know there's rivalry in sports and Mm -hmm. you have a situation where you might really dislike a particular player from another team, but maybe you work on the same clinics together in the summer for the high school kids. You know, you put aside Mm -hmm. your differences, your professional, uh, your professionals about it. You're serious about the craft and and you do it. So is that notion of teamwork in America? Is that is it dead? Because, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats are too tied to their brands to care about actually team America. I mean, you you were familiar with the Team USA. I mean, what what, what about that, Matt? Yeah, I, I, you, you, there's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Um, I think that um, the thing that we had, and I'll, I'll look at uh, Duke, North Carolina. Okay, um, sure. Duke, North Carolina was uh, a rivalry with respect. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, after. Um, you know, it's not unlike politics. I mean, we recruit, we recruit against each other. We say things against each other. Um, you know, I, I think it's more positive, um, than it is 
in politics. I mean, I, I never said bad things about Coach K, the man, the father, um, what church he attended. <laughs> right. um, you know, I just try to promote North Carolina, and I might say, hey, why go there? They've got three uh, guys in your position. Why go there? Um, you can't major in the subject you really want. Uh, why go there? You know, for various reasons. That's about as negative as it got. Um, and and there, there weren't, at least I, I don't, you know, not from our side, we weren't lying, like, like making stuff up, like, um, you know, Coach K had dementia, mm -hmm. you know, or um, he, you know, his daughter was having an affair, you know, we, right, we right. didn't get, we didn't get that to that personal level. So mm -hmm. I think there then was a level of respect that you saw after, after games on the road, you know, did we like each other? Did we protect our intellectual property? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. But there was a rivalry with respect. So that way, you know, when there was, say, a USA team, um, you know, Coach Smith, when he coached the 76 Olympics, mm -hmm. he, had, he had like a player representing almost every school in the ACC. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had players from Maryland, players from NC State, players from Duke. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other schools that might have been represented. Um, I think Maryland, I think I might have said Maryland. Um, yeah, and, and it reminds me of that book by Doris Cones, uh, Curtis Goodwin, The mm -hmm. Team of Rivals, by, by uh, about Abraham Lincoln and his right. cabinet. They were rivals that he brought onto his team because he knew he would be surrounded by the term I use a lot is truth tellers that were smart people that would help the country. And so um, this now, though, has cut so deep because it's so personal uh, between the Republicans and the Democrats in today's date. It, 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 it is the damage... Is the damage going to be lasting? Do you feel like, uh, is that one of the fears in the aftermath of this election that, you know, we're all going to wake up on Wednesday morning, your neighbors are still going to be your neighbors, the people at the church are still going to be at the church, you're going to have to face these people in the daylight after the frenzy? Or or do you think Americans just kind of move on down the road? Is, is, is the damage potentially permanent here? Uh, the damage is definitely potentially permanent. Um, and, and let me interrupt, as you were talking about rivalries, yeah. In debates, uh, someone, uh, you know, asked me, suggested that I, I go back and watch the Barry Goldwater, Norman Thomas debate of wow. uh, 1961. Mm -hmm. OK, and and this is where I love being on your show with you and, and discussing politics and throwing out my opinions. And I've gotten bashed by the left on on Twitter mm -hmm. Um and, and, you know, it's, it's bothersome, but it's like, hey, I, I think we've got to be able to talk about it. But Barry Goldwater is a conservative um, Republican um, who is a capitalist, and Norman Thomas was a socialist. Right. And in 1961, they debate in Tucson, Arizona. And the debate was really cool. Like, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, right. and then 10 minutes rebuttal, 10 minutes rebuttal. And they were gentlemen. Like they, 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 they joked a little bit. They, they complimented each other. Mm -hmm. uh, the way their mastery of the English language was really impressive. 
Right. But there was a respect there. And, and, and so a rivalry without respect um, will turn ugly. And so as we were touching on, I am afraid that it's going to be hard because if, 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 if the Republicans win and Trump wins, mm-hmm. the left is not, the left, in my opinion, is more vocal, more in your face, uh, more demonstrative, um, uh, more willing to uh, get down and dirty and mm-hmm. uh, fight. Right. And, 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 and I mean, literally fight. Right. And so um, I, I think that they won't back down. I think that they will. I mean, look at win or lose. Look, look at what they're doing in some of the major cities already. They're boarding up. Right. Storefronts mm-hmm. in preparation. My guess is if, you know, for me as a Republican supporting person, mm-hmm. if the Democrats win, my first announcement would be, OK, yeah, I'm disappointed. But what can I do to help the country? Right. Like that's got to be the attitude, um, because uh, this is where. We live. This is our home, and, right. and and so anything less than that is is foolish. And if you don't like the way things are going, then get out and vote. Contact your congressman. Run for Congress. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, do something. Make real impact. That's not destructive. Um, we need healing. Uh, I think that if Trump wins, I don't know if he can go. Uh, I don't know what he can do because the people are, the lines are drawn so, it, it's like a moat. Uh, right. uh, you know, it, it's not just a line. What can he do to reach across to the Democratic citizens mm-hmm. in a caring way? Uh, I, conversely, uh, conversely, you know, if Biden wins, you know, I, I think the Republicans are more calm and more willing to play nice mm-hmm. um and what will they do what will he do to help healing the country and bring the two parties together what can be done i think that's critical for either party after they win is to what can we do to start this country the, the, the healing process for right. our country. I, I think regardless of who it is that ends up winning, whenever that is determined, because there may be court fights and things like that, it's going to be incumbent, pardon the, the use of the phrase, but it's going to be incumbent yeah. on the, the president-elect or the returning president to make a speech to the country, to make the effort to unify, to say essentially, look, I you didn't necessarily vote for me, but I'm going to work hard for you. I thought that was a very uh, impressive. I thought it was an important phrase that Biden used a lot on the campaign trail. Even if you hate yeah. me, even if you don't vote for me, I'm still going to be looking out for, for your interests. And that's and that's fine whether he does or not. I, I do think there's one more point um, uh, that if we cross this line, it does permanent damage to the Republic. And here's what I think it is. I think if you have a Biden-Harris victory and then they turn around and decide for whatever reason, and I, I can't imagine somebody of goodwill advising this to the, Bar- the, the, high, the, the Biden-Harris ticket, to turn around and prosecute Donald Trump for something. Um, 
I think you are going to see damage to the republic at that point, because it's the one thing we have never done in the country. Even even when Richard Nixon was forced to resign um, and, and Jerry Ford pardoned him, um, we don't have a history of going and prosecuting former leaders. And if we break that, if we break that precedent, I think it dooms the republic, because I think that's what you're just going to have. We've already we've already seen an accelerated push to, to weaponize impeachment. If you weaponize the courts against a former president, I think that's potentially a that's a bridge too far. Um, and I hope that that's not the case. I would hope that somebody would be in their ears saying, let it go. Let's move on. Let's take the country in the direction we need to. We don't need to have Adam Schiff on TV every night bringing some weird case um, yeah. or, or, or somebody equally unlikable, in my opinion. Um, well, what do they what do they ask Trump? from the beginning, uh, will you, um, will there be a peaceful transfer of power? Right. Now we can make a case that Democrats never had a peaceful transfer of power once they lost to Trump because they immediately went on a media and, and, uh, impeachment mode. Right. Um, but if they, if they, if they truly believe, you know, in the peaceful transfer of power, that when they do take over, they should not do anything to throw gas on that potential right. fire. Yeah, they, they, I, they should. They mm-hmm. should win with grace. Great. You got to win with grace. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I go back to the Duke Carolina uh, thing. That's what's most relevant for me, and. Um, I remember, and I've got a book coming out uh, in March called Rebound. It's it's from pain to passion. It's about leadership lessons and and the mistakes I made and what I try to learn from. But I remember Coach K, uh, we weren't very good uh, one year, and they were up like 20, 25 points in the middle of the second half. And uh, they could have run it up. He could have beat us by 40, and Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't. And so he started to hold the ball. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's holding the ball. And after the game, I went up to him and, and, and thanked him. I said, hey, thank you for, you know, calling off the dogs. Thank you for holding the ball and, and not running up the score. And he said to me, he says, I've been there. Right. That's compassion. You know, that's oh, yeah. grace. Huge. And, and that leads to respect. You know, it doesn't make us compete any less hard against each other. But the respect is, you know, that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do right. things. And, and, right. and that's why I stress, like, biblically, like, you know, God and, you know, your higher power, whoever the higher power is in your life. Right. You know, that that be kind of guide us through this. And, you know, I think most gods would talk about compassion, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and. and and, and and so um, and I got scrutiny for that, you know, because uh, when I said the four pillars to me for a good country are strong military, good economy, um, law and order, and you know God is the moral compass, and they just yeah. you know I got I got I got people <laughs> unloaded on me saying you know how could you vote for Trump blah blah blah, and you know to me it's more of the you know the mission of the party too you right. know. Uh, Trump may not be the perfect example of a leader. He's not. He does right. so many things mm-hmm. that you just cringe and you want to say, Donald, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, we are trying to vote for a leader that is a doer that has the right intentions. And, um, and hopefully when I talked about God, it was more leaning towards the abortion side of things with the parties. And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, Trump would never claim to be a politician. He, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a filter and that's one of, you know, his biggest strengths, but also his biggest weakness is he's not afraid to go into, uh, probably, uh, meet with uh, the leader of North Korea or China and tell them how he really feels. Right. That's true. You know, you know? And, and, and so your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness. And um, the, the biggest challenge to me in this, um, you know, going back, I think people, even if they were Republican, would vote for a Democratic president if they thought that that right. was the right president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that's not happening. And, yeah. and so the, the lines are drawn. Um, and I think the biggest challenge is mining for the truth because there is so much false information out there on both sides. I mean, I have people claiming Fox and OAN, you know, or fake news and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I want to say fake news. You're killing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> media bias, you're killing me. I mean, right. how many outlets, um, you know, not even discussing the Hunter Biden laptop case. Um, you know, so it, it, the, the toughest thing is finding the, the mining, you know, finding the truth so you can make the best answers. Because most people don't have time. That's most true. people don't have time to do a deep dive for the truth. I know when I was coaching and, you know, I didn't have time. So I try to look, I try to read and like, gosh, I can't understand the word they're, they're saying, you know, right. I can't, this doesn't make <laughs> sense. So I'd call a friend. Yeah. I'd say, what do you, you, you know more about politics than me. Get, tell me your, give me your three or four bullet points. Okay. And you make your decision. Now I've tried to do a deeper dive and, and I do try to read stuff from the left and, you know, and I read it, I'm like, oh, my God, like either it gives me pause, like what if this was true or things that I know or believe in my heart are not true that they believe and they're promoting. Um, right. That's right. Is, you know, and it's just so easy when you say, hey, I'm, I'm a Republican, I'm going to vote for Trump, that they say, oh, you're a racist. Yeah, that's and that, and, and, that, 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 that's the easiest thing people throw in your face. That's true. Uh, fi- uh, a, f- a final question. I was going to ask you who you like in 2024, but I don't want to. We're going to get Go ahead. But, but no, I was just no, going to go say, ahead. kind of folding all this in together, right? Uh, we saw sports change a lot this year. Uh, a lot of uh, social justice messaging taking place. Uh, the NBA, the NFL, we've seen a, a lot of that. They've, took in, they've taken hits to their bottom line. Um, so, so I'll make it a combo question. One, do you think athletes having learned through this experience like everybody else has are, are gonna are gonna have to tighten up the the politics part of things and not have it interfere so much with their bottom line and who do you like in 2024 so i'll let you take it in either order okay well first of all i think that the athletes uh one are making so much money uh that they can they can take a political stand they can mm-hmm. take a season off they can take a little bit of a hit because you know, you look at some of these athletes and they're making, you know, 30 million a year. Um, so, um, 
they, they can take a stand. And then secondly, uh, I think that uh, they are pressured to take a stand um, by their community. And if they, if they uh, don't take a stand for the Democrats, there is tremendous pressure. And I've talked to high-profile black athletes who are Republicans and will vote for Trump, but will not discuss it publicly because they don't want to be shamed. Right. And then there's people like Herschel Walker, who, you know, has known Trump for 30 years and um, uh, is not afraid to discuss it. But yet, as you had him on your show with with you and I, right. uh, you know, he talked about being called Uncle Tom and, you know, sell out and ridiculed. And that's a shame because, um, you know, we should be able to say what we believe and be challenged in a respectful manner so we can grow, all grow. Yeah. But once you start calling name-calling, then it gets emotional and personal and logic goes out the window. Uh, in 2024, Nikki Haley. Um, I went to a rally on Saturday uh, for Tom Tillis, my second rally for Tom Tillis, mm -hmm. and Nikki Haley was there. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tim Hopeworth, was... Um, uh, worked for on her cabinet in South Carolina when she was governor. And she uh, checks all the boxes with substance, you know, right, not right. just checking boxes because she's a female from an immigrant family mm -hmm. from the South who's, you know, been in the White House, been a governor, and worked in the UN. Uh, she's got substance, she's got presence. Um, she's real, um, and, and I think she can resonate with a lot of people. Um, I'm, I'm a fan, and, and, and I think she has a demeanor that is uh, tastefully aggressive. You know, it's not name-calling. It's not, you know, like to me, uh, Kamala Harris, where she's overly aggressive. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, 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 Nikki Haley. 2024, in my opinion. Great stuff, uh, Matt Doherty. Uh, people are are always curious about you, and and I know you have a you have a a leadership, a coaching uh, uh, business. Uh, where do people reach out to you if they want to maybe book you for a speech or or find out about your coaching or any of that sort of stuff? Uh, what what's the what's the address for for people to 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 connect with Matt Doherty? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Coach Matt Doherty dot com. Coach, Coach Matt Doherty. Dot com is the website, um, and uh, my you have an email there. You can contact me, and you know I do executive coaching, corporate talks, um, uh, seminars uh, focused on leadership and sales. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's fulfilling for me because it gives me an opportunity to to, to coach, and that's what I like to do, and uh, help people get better. And in the process, I get better. Right. So I. I, mm -hmm. I, I I continually like to learn, and, and that's why I enjoy being on your show, Brett. Well, and I, I appreciate you being there. You bring a great perspective, and uh, uh, we have a lot of laughs uh, on the mic and off the mic. Yeah. And <laughs> I appreciate it. My, <laughs> my mom would say, the great Mary Doherty, it's good to laugh. Yeah, 100%. And, and, Gosh, and, yeah. and it is good. It's good for the soul, and we need to laugh as a, as a yeah. country. We need – that's why – Sports and entertainment and restaurants and, you know, all these shutdowns, um, uh, 
uh, is not good for the soul of America. Amen. Matt Doherty, thanks for coming by, man. I appreciate you. All right. You too. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Brett Winterbull. That's Matt Doherty. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at justaskvi. That's vi.com.